Hello, and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. So when we, in Lagana, outside of Launceston, so you've got a regional city and then you've got a regional town outside that city, are talking about breaking 200 in regular Sunday morning attendance. Can I tell you on a world scale how mad that sounds? And therefore, to me, it sounds like the fingerprints of God. There was a time when you could walk to church because there was one in every small town and on many street corners in larger ones. These days, our communities look different and so do our churches. We have a few that we call mega churches, but most struggle to grow past 200. What's the barrier? If you're comfortable in your current church, but you still want to see growth, this message may cause you to squirm. Tighten your seatbelt as tonight Dr. Corbett lifts the lid on breaking the 200 barrier. Tonight when I talk about breaking the 200 barrier, I'm going to put a, put a, a qualifier on that so that you understand where I'm coming from. Someone may come up to me and say, well, don't we get 200 on, on average in our services over the course of the month anyway? And the answer is, well, we, actually we do. There are people here tonight who weren't here this morning. You add those into the morning total and suddenly we're, we're, we're getting, often we're getting more than 200 on a day. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's not like we're not aggregating the total. So I'm not saying, you know, because there's 200 here tonight and there was 190 here this morning, that's... Uh, 390, thank you Gordon. Um, I'm not, we're not doing that kind of counting, but we are saying numbers of people who at least have been once, often totals on a Sunday, over 200. But I'm going to talk a little bit differently about those numbers in a moment. So I want to build your faith, and one of the things that we, we are planning for next year is a number of strategic events. So strategic means... It's not, well, this would be a good idea, let's try this. It, that, that's not what strategy is. Strategy is, this is where we are, this is where we want to be. To get from here to there involves at least charting this course. And strategic looks like doing stuff on that course. So this is some of the things, just to let you know, that we are planning on doing. I'll, I'll let you know the third thing that we're planning on doing, which is why I'm flying possibly flying to Montana in about three weeks. Um, I have had, and, and I've had a, a vision to fill the silver dome to the glory of God. Yeah, it, it, I, I you, it, it bugged me no end when Elton John did it nearly two years ago. It bugged me. Because that was not to the glory of God. <laughs> and I hope, and I have hoped for a long time, and I've kept it to myself. I've just, and now I'm telling you straight up before I die, I want to fill the silver dome to the glory of God. Is that the one here in Yes, it is. Uh, if you want to know where the silver dome is, just ask. <laughs> it's the biggest venue in northern Tasmania, it holds four and a half thousand people. Is that about right, Ian? About right, four and a half thousand. Ian, Ian knows that place like the back of his... Oh, what's that, a hand? Back of his hand. <laughs> he does, because of his connection with Cycling Tasmania. So, or Launceston Cycling Club. So I hope, to get four, I hope that we can get four and a half thousand people there on Sunday, May 
17, I think it is, Sunday, May 17. So it's not like one day, that is the day. Next year, 2020. Thank you, Gordon, for that reaffirming faith. You can, when he could just pick his jaw back up and put it back somewhere near his top jaw. Now, you've got to think strategically, how is that possible? Well, here's, here's, how it's, here's how I'm thinking it's going to be done. Firstly, Jesus uh, at one time was on the shores of Galilee and they were out fishing and, and he said, have you caught anything? Remember, remember what they said? No, we've been out all night, haven't caught anything. Remember what he said to, the, to, to do to Peter's, what did he do? Put your net on the other side, which for a fisherman makes a lot of sense, right? Move your net two metres, right? Makes no sense at all, but Jesus said it. Remember what happened when they did that? How big was the haul of fish? No, 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 that was the other time. That was, that was John 21. This one is in the middle of the Gospels, and the, the, the answer is bigger than that little boat could handle. That's the answer. Bigger than that little boat could handle. And the text says, so Peter called, or the disciples called, for the other fishing boats to come and help. And that's how I see our mission in filling the silver dome to the glory of God. So I see that this can be a 50-50 or 66-33 deal where the other 50 or 33 are people who are not Christians who will be attracted simply, almost, almost simply, because there's a big crowd. Now I see strategically that for that to happen, it's not going to compete with any other church service. So it's not like we're going to you know, tell everyone, tell all churches to shut down Sunday morning because the chances of getting pastors to cooperate is like trying to herd cats. <laughs> Did you ever find that, Alan, as the director of Bob's side? It's like, oh man, it's so difficult. So I figure it'll be something like Sunday 4.30 and the Saturday will be a, a family outreach festival at the Silvernome to get people familiar with what's going on over that weekend. Then we need a big draw card. And we've got two, and I'm going to tell you about one of them now. I'm going over to have, you're not going to believe this, but this is the truth. I'm going over to have dinner with Billy Graham's grandson. That's because, that's because I'm unbelievable, right? So I'm going over to have, have dinner with Will Graham, which, which is Billy Graham's grandson. And I think there will be people who are just curious about Billy Graham's grandson. And he uh, has an ability, as his grandfather did, to draw Christians in on a common cause, and that is reaching out to the glory of God and to get people involved. So that's, that's the weekend of May 16, May 17. It's the, the weekend after Mother's Day. So it's not going to clash with Mother's Day or anything like that. And so that's, that's next year. So that's one of the big things we've got planned. And we've got, we've got another, uh, at least another three strategic things planned throughout the year to help us as a church to continue to reach what I believe is God's will for us as a church. So here's the, here's the thing, as I introduce this, five things we must do to break our church's 200 barrier. The particular 200 barrier I'm referring to is, our, is a single gathering, particularly Sunday morning. 
particular gathering Sunday morning. We came close again this morning. So I want to break that. And in fact, uh, I have in my heart a number bigger than 200 by the end of the year. But I figured we've got to break this one first. If you Google breaking the 200 barrier in church growth or churches breaking the 200 barrier, you will see that on Google there are pages and pages and pages of people who talk about this phenomena. It actually is a barrier. And it's a barrier for several reasons, as, as we'll explore in a moment. Now, I don't think I need to convince any of you that, that Christ wants us to reach out and to reach people for Christ. I know, I know, we're all on board with that. I know, as Jeff prayed, we want to see our church grow. We want to see people come in. I'm just so grateful. This morning we had a swathe of visitors over here and visitors over here and visitors at the back and visitors over in the corner. And that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that people can come in and feel like this is, this is kind of their home. And that's what we want. We want people to feel that. And I said to you that if we, if we W-I-N, welcome, invite and nudge. And if, if we can just be that. And we are. We're doing the W. I think. Pretty well, just welcoming people in. It's, it's great. To give you a biblical uh, 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 vision of this, Paul writes in Ephesians 4.16, he just, in describing the church, and by the way, that church in Ephesus started off with 12 men, it says, in Acts 19. By the time Paul is writing this epistle to them, that church is 6,000 people. And he says this, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So one of the things, I I don't want you to miss here anything I'm going to say tonight. I'm not saying we've all got to leave here and run the equivalent of a marathon in world record time by next Sunday. If If you... if you hear anything remotely that sounds similar to that, you're not hearing me. I'm just saying, be you. Be who God's called you to be. And, and be that in this church and let's work together. Let's have synergy together and we'll get there. But I want us to come onto the same page about this. So I'm not under any uh, illusions of just how difficult this can be. Nor, I think of North America as a very churched culture. I've been there several times and it's amazing just how many people go to church as a matter of, well, I'm American, I go to church. It's bizarre. It's something in the order of um, 40-something percent. It's high 40% of people who go to church at least once a month in America. It's, it's quite a church culture. It's really amazing. Even with that in mind, and, you, and you've got to appreciate that Australia is not that. <laughs> Australia is, ha, does not have a, a high... Uh, take up of um, church attendance. So in, in North America, only 2% of churches have over 1,000 adults in them. So I, I want you to hear that because sometimes we think, oh man, there's mega churches on every street corner in America. Actually, there's not. Only 2% of all the thousands of churches across America ever have more than 1,000 1, adults in attendance. Added to that, look at, consider this number, 85% of these churches in America never grow beyond 200 in attendance. 
So when we, in Lagana, outside of Launceston, so you've got a regional city and then you've got a regional town outside that city, are talking about breaking 200 in regular Sunday morning attendance. Can I tell you on a world scale how mad that sounds? And therefore, to me, it sounds like the fingerprints of God. Because people are going to look at this and go, that could only be God. Only God can get the glory here. And this is, I want you to, to really get this um, very, very clear. Now, considering these two things, Kerry Newhoff, who's a church growth consultant, who's highly regarded, he wondered, why is this? He took over a, a small church and that has grown to over 1,400 members and so he's got some qualification to talk about these things. Added to that, he's pastoring in Canada, which is, in many respects, has got some similarities to Australia as well because Canada is going down the toilet at a rapid pace of knots. So this is, this is the question he, he asked. When, when he said, why is this? So he researched over 1,400 churches and their pastors to find out what, what, what the story is. Why is this? And this is what he found among those, those 85% of churches that have never broken the 200 barrier. And he found firstly, because if I was to ask you, why, why is that? Why do churches not break through that 200 barrier? And he concluded it's not for lack of desire. He said every pastor he spoke to said, we're trying. We really want to break this barrier. But they just couldn't. It's not for lack of desire. If I was to ask you, well, what, what do you think would, would get a church through that barrier? I'm sure in, in a very quick time, someone would say, just got to pray harder. Just got to pray harder. Well, he found that many of these pastors, many of these churches are pr have extraordinary prayer ministries. They are praying. And he said it's actually the churches that do break through and the churches that don't break through, the, the X factor is not prayer, which might surprise some people. It's not prayer, which uh, I think if... if anyway, well, I, I don't want to... It's, I don't want to sidetrack myself, but then the next one, you might think, well, maybe there's, maybe there's not the love there. And he said, no, there's, there's extraordinary amounts of love in, in some of these churches that are under 200 in, in regular attendance. And they still don't break through. People come in and they testify how loving and caring that these churches are, but they still don't break through. Well, maybe it's because their, their buildings are small. I mean, we, 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 well, I think we did find, arguably, that, that a church, it seems, grows to about 80% of the size of its building and then it just kind of, people don't come. And, and we saw that in the final stages when we were using that auditorium and we had people, you know, all the seats taken, people standing up at the back. Well, you can only do that so many Sundays. But Kerry Newhoff found, no, there are churches that have figured out how to leverage even that, and, and they grew way beyond 200, even though their facilities weren't great. So it's not about facilities. Thank God we've got, a, I think, one of the best facilities in Australia. So what is it? What are the five things that we need to do in order to break through the 200 barrier? And, and this, this is, for me, you are an easy congregation to preach to tonight because we all want this.
We want to reach out. We want to see people come to know Christ. As I've been talking about welcoming, inviting and nudging, I've had a number of people come up to me and say, I've invited people and they've said no. And I can hear the ache in their heart. I even had it again today. Someone mentioned it today. And I've had other people who've said, you know, I invited X number and you know, some of them came. And, and, and so I, I'm just so grateful that people, are, are, there, there is a genuine heart to see people come to know Christ. And, and we've got some of the elements in place already. We've got prayer, we've got desire, we've got... The, the, the love and the, the welcome that's there waiting. But here are the, the five things, and, and these are almost in order. The first one, number one, uh, is that it's, it's actually not a spiritual thing, it's a structural thing. Churches that do not break, Kerry Newhoff says, that do not break the 200 barrier, they, so these are the ones that don't break the 200 barrier. They organize, they behave, they lead, and they manage like a small organization. I said before to um, Jeff, imagine Jeff, you're building, because Jeff's a, a property developer, and, but imagine if you had to do all the electricals, all the plumbing, every, all the ditch digging, everything yourself. That would be highly inefficient. It would just be mad to do it that way. He, he organises things in a way that the job gets done and it involves people. Um, it involves people. So, Kerry Newhoff says, it's, it, it, the, the need is to structure. Now, this, this came up in our staff meeting, our weekly staff meeting last week. When I say structure... I'm afraid some people are going to hear, oh, here we go, we're just, going to, we're just going to use corporate strategies of business to grow the church. No, we're not. As, as Tony shared last Sunday night, Jethro, the Jethro principle. We're, we're, remember Tony had his dog in the, the kayak. That dog drowned. Um, and, 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 <laughs> And he said, a kayak, it can be one person <laughs> paddling. Or, and then he had Jeanette drown the other way. And, and he had a picture of Jeanette in, in the front, you know, doing the thing. But you can have, that, that, that's, the structure is one or two people and, and you can cope with that. And then he showed the, the big um, a cruise liner. How, how many passengers did they get, Tony? Six and a half thousand passengers. Trust me, you don't, you're not going to have one bloke with a paddle trying to run that thing. And the difference is structure. And structure is a matter of, of, of having people with responsibility. Not to do what they can't do, but to do what they can do. And so that decisions are made by leaders, not by a leader. That's structure. Now Bob McKay has shared this. He also identified this when he's, he's spoken to us as a church twice and, and he said, as a church, we have a challenge to go from here to here, which is essentially what I'm talking about tonight. And he said, the church that is small, around 35 people or so, is like a, a mum and dad milk bar. If you want to talk to the CEO of the milk bar, he's over there stacking shelves. If you want to talk to the marketing manager of that milk bar, she's at the register serving a customer. 
And that's it, that's the structure. <laughs> but if you want to grow bigger than that, it, that, to have a bigger story, it's going to require a different set of structure. Well, it's the same with church. And that's, we see that in Exodus 18, as Tony uh, made clear last Sunday. Here's the second thing. And, and nearly every consultant says this, and Bob McKay said it to me straight, and he's come into my office, and he, he said this very early on. And by the way, Bob McKay... Is a, we are blessed to have Bob in our church. Unfortunately, he's retired and he travels in winter and so he's away at the moment. I oh, know, he's a grey nomad. But he said this to me and he said this to the church. The biggest problem we are going to have in breaking our growth barrier, Andrew, is you, he says. The pastor is nearly always the problem, he said. And... and uh, when I'd finished that box of tissues, um, I <laughs> Kerry Newhoff puts it this way. So everything you see in yellow quotes is from Kerry Newhoff. If everything that gets done depends on one person, your church won't grow beyond the ability of a single person. For most of us, that means 200 is the upper limit of what's possible. Here's something I want you to consider, that if we have a church of 200 committed people on a Sunday, we are nearly always going to see 30% away on a Sunday. Just life. Now, we have some concerning trends that we're, you know, we're trying to address as a church. Last week, we had, uh, last week, last week, we had over 45% of our regulars away. So when I talk about breaking the 200 barrier, there's, there's obviously some, some factoring in here with this. So what's the solution? And one of the things I'm saying to Donna, as I see Donna, who's full of mercy, full of compassion, and Donna is, is caring to the point sometimes of exhaustion, is I have to say to Donna, remember, you're, you're, not, the, you're not the pastoral care pastor, Donna. You're the care team pastor. Hear the difference? The care team pastor. And, and it's important that we use a team. And, and so the solution is for people to realize that in Ephesians 4, God has gifted apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the body for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we read in... 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 35, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. So the expectation is, why didn't the pastor visit me in hospital? Trust me, you don't want me visiting you in hospital. My record of visiting people in hospital in the next day they die should discourage you from wanting me to come and visit you in hospital. You want someone who doesn't have the gift of death. You want someone who has the gift of mercy and compassion. That's probably not my wife either, by the way, because anyway, that's another story. No, 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 no. I, I, I haven't had dinner yet. Do you mind? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you, you can cook your own dinner. I, I don't know how to cook. All right, number three. Number three. It's getting the right people in the right position. So uh, I'll tell you how I responded in the early days. When I, when I came here, and Judith will remember this, we were meeting in the Memorial Hall over on the highway, 
and um, Judith was a, was a part of the worship team. In fact, I think Judith was the worship team. And we had one other, we had uh, Mrs. Archer as well, who played piano. And, and the piano was, was, uh, it was, I'm sure it was in tune at, at some stage prior. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was interesting. And, and I think it was the second or third week we were there in this church. We just moved over from Melbourne and we're, we're in there. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking at the sound, I'll use the term sound desk very loosely, and flames came up out of it <laughs> in church. <laughs> it just went pop, and it flames. I thought this is this is interesting. <laughs> um, and and I had uh, that was the, that was back in the days when you know I had to set chairs up, and that that continued on for quite some time, and then eventually I didn't have to set chairs up and so on, but. When you're starting off pioneering, you wear a lot of hats as a pastor. And then as things grow, you take those hats off. And that's, that's really what we mean by restructuring. And, and in fact, the hats that, that come off get put on people who, who can actually wear them a lot better. So it's the right people in the right job. So in the early days, when someone came to me and said, I don't want to do this anymore, I, would, I, would, I think I've still got the calluses on my knees where I'd drop to my knees and beg them, plead with them, don't quit on me, <laughs> I need help, please. And they would reluctantly say, all right, I'll think about it. Or, or if they really, really, really didn't want to do it, they, they would say this, well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> Which is Christianese, right, for... There ain't no way I'm reconsidering. <laughs> so here's the thing, and, and, and maybe this will help you to understand why we have persisted with Sunday nights and we persist with the first Sunday night of the month as uh, Donna is going to be taking the next Sunday night. And uh, th- this is important because here's the thing. Kerry Newhoff says, and it's brilliant, growing churches don't buy... Great leaders, they build them, they grow them, they give them a go and they let them go through the process of becoming a great leader. And you know how I spell that? Mistakes. It means that someone who's on their way to becoming a great leader will take a risk and fall on their face. They'll botch up. And I need you to hear this. If that's you, if that's you, you have the fingerprints of, of, of God Almighty on you, carving you, moulding you, shaping you like a potter into becoming a great leader. Because I do not know of any great leader who has not made humiliating mistakes. So if you've made humiliating mistakes, you might want to re revisit your perspective on that and so whenever I hear of someone in our church who's done something you think oh that didn't work the the it reminds me of the the merchant bank where one of their currency traders made a decision that 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 cost the bank 300 million dollars one computer button bang 300 million gone and it was a scandal. 
And I remember the press conference where the CEO of the bank was asked, are you going to sack that currency trader? And the CEO's response at this press conference was, sack him? I just spent $300 million training him. You see the perspective on, on mistakes. So we don't, don't jump on people when, when they have a go and it doesn't work. And can I just point out, that goes for me too. You'll see me make a glorious, humiliating series of mistakes between now and whenever, <laughs> probably ad infinitum. Be merciful. That's all I'm asking. Be merciful on my fragile ego. That's all I'm saying. All right. Churches that never break the 200 barrier have too many doers. They're doing stuff in church, but not enough leaders. And there is a difference. And I know some people say, you know, if you're serving in different ways, you're actually in leadership. I think we should reword that and say, we want you to be in leadership. We want you to lead. We want you to take initiative. That's all we have time for tonight. For a CD copy or premium download of tonight's full discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select Breaking the 200 Barrier from our online store. As we've heard tonight, it's not a lack of desire or prayer or love or facilities that hampers church growth. It's often how we behave. If we have a small church mentality, then that's where we'll stay. There have been some challenging thoughts in tonight's message you may need to think over and consider applying in your own church. More from Dr Corbett next week. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.